Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the Battle Royale podcast. I'm your host as always, Edward Jones, and joining me of course is my co-host, the Professor, Mr. Stephen Palmer. Hello. Tonight we look at the chapter, Die. Probably not the most imaginative title, considering, but this is also one of the most involved chapters we've done to date, I would like to say. It is, and yeah, things are really ramping up now, because... Although we've had a couple of episodes where bugger all happens, um, this this does follow. So it was only a couple of chapters ago we had the lighthouse, and actually when we when I was watching this chapter earlier, I was shocked to see a couple of the events in this that have um, really shows us how how close we are to the end now. Yep, it's almost over. We're down to the last ten students now. Um, and uh, we pick up really where we left off last week in what feels like the middle of a chapter, but no, according to Tartan, it's not. Um, this is still, this is a brand new chapter, and we are still in the woods as we see Nuriko running f- through the rain because apparently she's forgot that we're in a battle royale. Um, Kawada is chasing after her, and uh, it's here that she finally is reunited with. Um, Shia, who's a little worse to wear, should we say? As um, oh, he's he's out he's out for it, isn't he? He's uh, all his struggles since the um, since his act of heroics, including sort of uh, being pushed into the sea and being in a knife fight and tromping halfway across the island with a big bag of weapons, and he finally meets Nariko and yeah, pretty much collapses. <laughs> I bet, I bet she's glad he's there to save her. Um, it's also at this point that we get the Oscar-winning performance from Julia, who's, he's as we've said already, he's just finally stepped into the role of being the hero. Um, but he's just like, a complete at the same time, he's completely broken. But he's still determined he's going to protect Nuriko, and he reassures her he's got weapons. He, the fact he can't stand up now, but he's got weapons and he's still going to protect her. And it's a really nice emotional moment, and there's some real emotional heft there for what could have really gone the other way and been kind of laughable. But it, I felt it got a fair amount of emotional heft there. Yeah, and you know, remember, he's 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 a proper actor. He's you know, of of everybody in the film, he's he's one of the three young kids that go on to bigger and better things. So um, yeah, it's it's it's. I, I mean, I still can't stand Rico. I, th- I think he's I think he's back the wrong horse. But you know, it's it's nice. It's genuine. It's um, he's he's he suffered for this moment, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, but we are actually getting a little bit ahead of ourselves here, as before she's obviously reunited with Shuya. She encounters everyone's least favorite person to meet on a field trip, Mitsuko, who is looking like um that. Like Noriko has turned up late to her tea party as she's sitting in the rain with her tea kettle and uh, just basically looks at her and remarks the fact that she's now got two princesses and she's quite the princess uh, before giving us her trademark catchphrase of die ugly, uh, which we didn't realise really until we sat down to break this down that she actually says this twice. Uh, she says it once when she goes and shoots Chigasaw and uh, when she goes to shoot Noriko. So it's not the best catchphrase, but it's a catchphrase. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I can't help feeling it's a it's some kind of translation of some generic Japanese phrase that that's turned into die ugly. But um, yeah, right, it'll it'll do. It'll be on her um on her tombstone if she doesn't survive to the end. Yep. Um, wink. <laughs> <laughs> but um, she's um actually scared off by the surprise appearance of Katano because beat Takano <laughs> beat Takashi Takano. Uh, they're interchangeable. <laughs> it de- Sorry, I'm just trying to remember if I got the right. Yeah, it's beat Takashi Katano, isn't it? Yeah, it is, yeah. Yeah. Well, beat, In my head, yeah. it just sounded like I was adding on a whole name there. Yeah, well, you ha- yeah, you kind of added his nickname on, but okay. yeah, it's cool. But yeah, um, he just turns up because he's beat Takashi and he can do what the hell he wants. Uh, so he yeah. just randomly turns up with a bizarre see-through umbrella. Because he's got a bit of a soft spot for Nuriko, and he remarks the fact she's still alive, which is kind of reassured in his weird way that he reassures us. And um, he then motions and basically points out that Shuyu is there, coming over the hill. Almost as if he sat and planned this. Yeah, I, a bit of me wonders if he's there at all. Where does the umbrella come from, then? Well, yeah, I guess. Unless she had it all the time. This is another film with her with the umbrella where there's another cut where we see she's had the umbrella with her all the time. I don't know. It's a bit it's a bit weird because he scares off Mitska, doesn't he? Yeah. Um we, he doesn't seem to have any weapons or anything. I mean she's like a one arm army corps person. And um yeah, but he scares her off with with his with his look and his hangdog look and his his see through child's umbrella. He says, "Oh, okay, show you," and disappears. It's the it's the he has the most powerful weapon, self assurance. Well, sometimes that does work. Yes, he's like um, Quentin Jaws. He just stares that shark down. <laughs> that, that ain't a scar. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that would have been a great movie. Beat Takashi and Robert Shaw in the same movie. Yeah, that would have been that would have been um extreme extreme manliness. That would have been yeah. I'm trying to remember, who's the guy from Dirty Dozen as well? Oh, so maybe like Ernest Borgine? No, not him. The um the one who's permanently got white hair. He's in Cross of Iron and stuff. Anthony Quinn. No. Okay, don't matter. We're not going to go through them all because no. it'll be the eleventh one. <laughs> um. So yeah, they have their emotional reunion, and it's a it's a really a chapter of many emotional reunions. This one, it has to be said, as it, from here we skip over to uh, Hiroko, um, who we've um, been obviously spent the whole film basically with his little handheld scanner trying to find the object of his own desires. Um, yes. Yes, so Kyoko. Yes, so he finally thinks he's tracked Kyoko down to um, a warehouse and he goes charging into the warehouse like the brave fool that he is, um, finding a water bottle and um, basically in the process uh, ends up being shot by her because uh, she's not aware of the situation. She wasn't even aware that he had feelings for her. So the whole mission he's been on to like declare his love for her, she had no clue whatsoever. She had no clue that he even she even knew he ex- 
that he knew that she existed. Yeah, it's a bit weird. So, so it's, yeah, so we switch from Shoya's, you know, a mission he's going to protect Noriko. Although you have missed the bit where Matey Boy is standing in the background, not um, Beat, but the other fellow. Oh, quite Yeah, sort of staring at them a bit creepily. But then that never amounts to anything. But um, yeah, it's a bit like, remember they were making house a few minutes ago and now he sees that... Um, these two are meant to be together but yes we we switch to the pouring rain where Sugimara is cycling away with the kickstand down um <laughs> well, he has at, been about, shot multiple times yeah but and I think it's easier for him to walk than the speed he was going on that bike with the kickstand down but it's all right because when he stops the kickstand doesn't keep the bike up anyway. He goes into the warehouse, which is one of those warehouses which only exist in films or owned by serial killers, where you know it's, it's all <laughs> scaffolding and and plastic wrap. So <laughs> it's basically a John Woo set he's wandered into. Then <laughs> he, he, he has really, but but you know his his his, his GPS scanner has found somebody, and then he realizes it's her, and and then we're quite surprised, aren't we, to find out that she's hiding from him. And uh, that she pulls out her gun and shoots him. <laughs> not once, not twice, not three times, but four times. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, and, and it becomes clear that even though uh, Jigasa and um, Sugimura had had the chat about the fact that he fancied her, no one had ever told her. It's <laughs> just the worst unrequited love ever. Yeah. In the book, it makes a little more sense why she shoots him because he comes and he's in. He's got a gun and he's pretty bloodied up at this point, so she assumes that uh, he's coming to to kill her. So she shoots him in self defense. In the manga, he has much more of a warrior style journey as he's uh, basically a martial arts master, and he has a number of encounters with uh, with various characters such as like Froggy, whose um, fingery breaks. Which is a real uh, kick in the teeth to him because he's obviously a violinist. So to break his his fingers um, is is not what you want if you're a violinist. And uh, yeah, he's basically he reunites with her, and they have much more of a proper uh, reunion. And they 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 go over the plan because they're going to team up with Kawada and uh, Nuriko, and they're going to basically light these these signal fires to let them know that they're. That they're, they're reunited and they're going to team up, get everyone together and escape the island. Um, and it's at this point that um, our resident psychopath turns up and um, they engage in a bit of a scuffle and she tries to shoot him, only to instead um, shoot the wrong person as um, she ends up shooting um, Hiroko. Okay, that's that's way more complex than what happens here. Yeah, in this one, um, as I said, because in the book, in this one, it's it's kind of similar. As I said, she she shoots him, but at least in the book, there's kind of more reason. This one, she's mm. I think it's just because she's a timid spirit. She likes doing tea ceremonies and things. Well, also, you know, she's it's, it's a, we're a few days into this now, a couple of days in, they've barely slept. She's um probably terrified. It's interesting. What I find interesting about Sugimura is. There's another version of this book in an alternate universe where he's kind of the hero. He's the guy that has the quest, isn't it? You know, he's he, his quest is to find this girl. Is is this girl that he's loved from afar for a long time, and he meets all the people along the way, and 
does the most heroic thing of anybody when he saves Shoya. Yeah. Um, and 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 yet here he's he's like a side character to other people's stories, and his own story has ended incredibly tragically by the by by the girl he loves. And even then, he's like, "You've got to run away." That those gunshots that would have attracted someone. Um, again, as as always with him, bit fucking late. it is a little late and yeah i understand what you're saying here he's very much a b-plot character Mm. and i think if you had gone with how he is portrayed in like the manga and had him as like this absolute badass martial artist it would have been a bit jarring the fact that we're obviously supposed to be supporting shuya you know, like, this man it, who's if, stepping if, up to the mantle plate. If they do a film of the manga, it's going to be quite fucking jarring, period. Oh. <laughs> it's going to be a very different movie. It's, uh... The, the manga is... It's, it's, the manga is so difficult to recommend because of it being so graphic in places. Yet at the same time, it pads out so much of the characters and like bits that we don't see in the film or aren't covered in the book. So it's obviously got that aspect to it. And then we have other characters like... Um, why can't I remember her name now? Yeah, yeah when we look at uh, characters like Mitsuko, who is really a completely different person in the manga. I mean, she's a split personality um in the fact that you've got this side where she's like a nymphomaniac and then you've got this like psychotic side known as um her broken doll persona and um it's really in this episode that we find out why she's as screwed up as she is yeah just just in time for her to get written off um because we don't have a lot i mean i guess i guess the spoiler is as, as soon as um as soon as Kiyaka comes down and says, oh my god, I never even knew that you loved me, um, she gets shot by Mitsuko. <laughs> I think it was probably there already, wasn't she? Um, but we get an immediate flashback to an event in her life which has made her who she is. And we haven't had a lot of these in this film, have we? Um, there's been Shoya and his... Uh, he's, 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 he's depressed and eventually suicidal father. Yeah. Oh, actually, we have missed a bit out, but um, we'll come back to it. I can't think of many others. So we've had um, we had the flashback to Nubu, where mm. he was saying how much he liked Noriko, um, which really sets uh, Shuya on the the protective quest. It's sort of mm. like the the final thing for his uh, in, the, in the, bunk, his buddy. the bunk beds in the boys' home. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we've had. A lot of basketball footage. Which is something I've forgotten about in this one. <laughs> Which um, is basically <laughs> just to show that they were all united as a class at one point because they love sporting events. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, and, and also we can tie absolutely on the nose that Hiroki's journey is just like his ability at basketball <laughs> where he drives forward and you think he's going to score a basket and he just hits the rim and out it goes. Can I just and... like, question why everybody finds it really funny, the fact he's like, cost his, his school this points? <laughs> yeah, I'm no, I'm, 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 again, I don't think the, the slow-mo and the reactions quite marry up with what the point he's trying to make is. But yes, I, of course there is this, this basketball match. Well, you know, and it'll, it'll eventually play out for something i'm not entirely sure it was 
I, I, I come and go on it. I think it, I think it has a brilliant payoff at the end, but was it really needed? And this is so on the nose. This 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 flashback. But it's what we'll have a better flashback next. How about that? Where finally Mitsuka's sort of whole attitude is kind of explained, isn't it? In many ways, it's it's certainly hinted at why she has this very detached personality. Um, certainly, again, if you read the manga, it's a lot worse. Uh, because her father divorces her mother because he's being pursued by the government. So, again, we've got the ties to government, uh, anti-government activity. So she's another of those characters. And her mother is, like, a, a drunk and basically sells um, Mitsuko off to, to a group of men to be gang raped and vince and they videotape at the same time she gets put into um she goes to a teacher to tell him about this thing that happened to her and the teacher sexually assaults her she gets put into a um into the into care and she's again sexually assaulted and it's just abuse after abuse after abuse the manga just <laughs> piles it up and this really forms this very detached personality, warps her idea of, um, you know, love and care towards other people and how you should be. And it really creates this sort of fractured personality with, within her. Um, and you see, like, from here, the fact that she she goes off and has starts all these, like, you know, criminal sort of activities. She's running her, like, prostitution ring. She's um stealing she's blackmailing it's just this whole list of crimes that we've seen her come in with and you look at um oh what's his name again the crazy guy um uh kiriyama yes and you look at kiriyama again he's also got that detached personality but that was the result of him being in the car crash which basically damaged his brain and killed his mother uh, which means that he's just completely without compassion and they have a moment in the the manga where he sees this uh, mood ring that um, her father gave her and they have the, he has this uh, moment where he like, almost seems to have like some sort of feeling within him before he basically decimates her face so in the book and the manga, she gets shot in the face. And it's basically this idea of destroying something beautiful. Because, I mean, she's this beautiful girl. So what's the worst way you can hurt her? By blowing her face off, apparently. Uh, whereas in the film, she just gets this very... I, I go back and forth whether it's it's overdrawn or it's just her pure fighting spirit that just sees her constantly getting back up and shot. Yeah, it's it's um, it's it's a, it's a film thing, isn't it? I mean, bless her. <laughs> she yeah, she survives things that um, uh, other characters wouldn't. But I thought, not for that long. I mean, it's not like Jason Voorhees or something, you know, <laughs> constantly coming back for um, or, 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 or Michael Myers, you know, constantly coming back through for hour upon hour after <laughs> apparently being put through uh, terrible tortures and injuries you know it only lasts about 30 seconds more but of course in the film we flash back to a sort of a, a distilled version of that horribleness you've just described yeah um, so uh when, 
Sorry, I've yeah. ruined everyone's drive time commute with that one. <laughs> <laughs> but she she comes home one day and she you know she looks what like five six years old something like that. Yeah, a little yeah, bit surly, that. but she comes home and mother is plastered, which is English for shit faced drunk. Drunk. <laughs> um, there's a strange, creepy looking guy in there. Um, her mother's got a handful of cash, um, which isn't clear for a couple of moments, but you see, you know. So this guy, this guy's obviously here. Um, the impression you get to start with that he's a like a stepdad character, or that her mother's a prostitute. But then it becomes quite clear actually what he has in mind is something far more predatory. Takes Mitsuko upstairs with a Mitsuko doll, and um, well, sort of says this little doll's called Mitsuko as well, and pulls her head off because that's the way to gain trust with a five-year-old. Um, and then sort of we, it splits, and it's like a, it's like a Barbie doll, isn't it? A blackhead Barbie doll that they that he basically strips off and says, "Now it's Mitsuko's time to get the same as the doll." But Mitsuko fights back straight away and manages to push him down the stairs and kill him. Um, so yeah, horrible. Not quite the extremes of the of the of the book or the manga, but nope. still nasty and. Um, it's the you know it's at this moment we suddenly you know it's the first time Mitsuko's really explained to us because up to now she's been either this force of nature killing people and 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 we you know we've got um don't really know why she's doing it other characters that seem to know her haven't had very nice things to say about her like her allegedly her best mate earlier on who she shot um there's nothing there's no good things to say about her um other than a couple of, sort of stolen glances between a couple of characters and her, you know, we just don't know anything about her. But at this moment, we realise that you know this is she's coming from a really, really dark place. Um, obviously, not as dark as other other art forms, but in this in this within the context of this film, no one else has a backstory like this. Um, but it's okay because we won't have time to linger on it because your mate. Um, Kiriyama turns yep. up, and they have a um, they have a battle royale with all the weapons that they've all both accumulated. And uh, yeah, Kiriyama shows Froggy what to do with a uh, a bulletproof vest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't lose your head. <laughs> it's a bulletproof vest; it doesn't protect you against decapitation. Mm. Um, but yeah, he, apparently, in the meantime, he's turned into the Terminator. And somehow he manages to stop both a stickle and a stun gun attack at the same time, um, mm. overpowering her before managing to magically produce his gun out of nowhere and uh, and shoot her. I mean, he's... yeah, I, I don't know what his armory is at this stage, but they've both got a fair few weapons. Um, I did like the bit she picked up the gun of, that belonged to um, uh, Kiyako and Kiyaka had emptied the, everything into her, 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 her unrequited love, and uh, but she just picks it up, realizes it's empty, throws it away. I kind of like that. I mean, she's just like no nonsense, and yeah. But she likes the sickle. She likes that taser gun. Well, it's not a taser, is it? You like to say it's a stun gun, isn't it? Yeah. And um, yeah, it's all of you don't know for about oh about five seconds who's going to win this one, but then rather shockingly, um. Well, <laughs> he shoots her, 
and she gets up again, tub thumping style. But then he, you know, after another struggle, he he, shoot, he shoots her dead. And um, yeah, it's kind of a sad end to a character who I thought, you know, I thought in other world would have been there at the end. It is, and you see the dismay when she goes to like swipe him across the chest with a stickle and realizes he's got the bulletproof vest on. And it's that sort of moment that she realizes that she's that she's uh, finally been outmatched. Um, and it's it, you do you can't help but feel for her. I mean, she is obviously spent the game just basically slaughtering friend and foe alike, but at the same time, I. Because of we see it, they save her backstory really to that last sort of moment, you do feel this sort of sympathy for her, and the fact that she's also one of the few characters who gets her final thoughts read out, as she remarks that she just didn't want to be a loser anymore. Mm. So indicating a high level of self-loathing, and we even see her by herself at the basketball game as well. So, yeah, well, that that's that's the payoff at the very end, isn't it, of of that whole basketball scene? But um. Yeah, yeah. So this this one this one's thoughts make sense. Unlike if you remember the the lighthouse girl, where I didn't really understand what was going on with those final thoughts. <laughs> and sometimes they seem to be a bit sort of psychically shared between two characters. But this one, you know, this this makes absolute sense and explains her. It it's it's a weird thing to do thematically to only show the backstory thirty seconds before someone well twenty seconds before somebody dies. But um, I'm glad of all the characters. She is the one given a bit more, um, a, a, just a bit, a bit more time. There's a bit more going on. We understand her, and and there's, you know, I think I think she is the one of the most well-rounded characters in Battle Royale, and I'm sad to see her go. But it means it must mean we're on the final path to the end of the film, I guess. Yeah, definitely so. I mean, when we look at um, while we're obviously talking about Final Thoughts here, I believe it's in in the book. Uh, Kyoko has a moment where she's lying over her, her now dead boyfriend, and she has this. Um, he has this like final final sort of dying breath, and she has this um, sort of like thought and then she realised it wasn't actually a voice in her head but it's actually Mitsuko who's saying it before he, she kills her which right. I have to say is sort of like why would your voice in your head sound like Mitsuko surely it would sound like yourself or Dame Judy or something like that <laughs> I don't know depending on what you like to sound like in your head it wouldn't normally be the psycho girl from school that the voice in your head sounds no, like. but I guess um, I guess if she just accidentally happened to say something that was in, I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 a bit silly, but um, do you know what this this whole thing's full of quite a lot of silly, isn't it? So uh, I'm gonna I'm I'm gonna let it go. I'm gonna I'm gonna give that one a, a pass. But it's a weird old chapter. This. It is a very. It's, it's a weird that they just basically info dump um, and they wrap up storylines, and it's just it a lot starts, of things happening. It starts halfway into the previous chapter. It, 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 and then it kills off two quite key characters, or not, not sort of key up to this point. Another character which we've barely ever seen. Um, <laughs> yeah. Still got time. He's still got time to crowbar a bit of a basketball shot in there, 
And when you think we've had chapters where we've literally had nothing to say, <laughs> and we've somehow managed to stretch it out, there's more happening here than on the, in, in most other... I can't think of many other chapters that are so packed and that seem to take place in two different places. Yeah. Definitely so. And the fact it's all rounded off with uh, Bark's air on a G-string, uh, which I have to say, <laughs> one of my favourite classical pieces of classical music. And, and it also, just... also, for people of certain age, it is the theme tune to Hamlet Cigars. Yes, I thought you'd is... say that. <laughs> which is just a wonderful callback. Yes, so... so... For us English people of a certain age, when um, cigarette and cigar advertising was a thing, there was a Hamlet cigars and a whole range of adverts where something would go terribly wrong for somebody, like maybe a historical figure or um, or, or Rabsy Nesbit, as it turned out in, in the final one. Um, something would go wrong for them, but they'd light a Hamlet cigar, which were more like a sort of cigarillo, weren't they? And and and. But yeah, Bark's there and a G string would play, and uh, yeah, sucking in that good old lung cancer was just make a bad day all right. And I think Mitsuko deserves a Hamlet for, <laughs> for the bad day she's had. You see, my my mind just goes to the uh, library scene in Seven. Yeah, it's like hey, you got a world of book, a realm of knowledge. Instead, you spend all night in here playing poker. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, we've said it before, though. The use of sort of hooked-on classics, popular classics, yeah, popular free music here, is um, I, I quite like it in this film. I quite like it because it's um, well, sort of for two reasons. One is it internationalizes it. Yeah, the, you know, this this then talks. Everyone's heard of heard these classical tunes, whether you're from Europe or America or Asia or Australasia, yeah, they're um, you know, class, classical music has permeated every society. Um, and and the other aspect of it is is sort of, it adds a bit of normalcy to crazy. <laughs> I don't know, it's like, um, there's nothing more normal than Radio 3, mate, and uh, it, well, not normal is maybe the wrong word, but you know, just Rather the mill. The pieces of music also really tie into the mood of the time, really. When you look at the first two pieces we have, um, where it's like a Blue Danube, and mm. uh, there's the other one that we never can, can recognize, and they're very sort of upbeat and jaunty pieces. And it's all like, yes, go kill your friends, go and get those numbers up, because that's the name of the game. And then we have this one, and it's obviously a key hunter who's been fallen. And it's a very sort of somber piece, and it matches imperfectly with the general mood of the time. Um, and we know that this isn't sort of soundtrack. This is a piece of music that's uh, being played because we end on the next set of announcements, really. And we know how Takano loves to um, basically play classical music over the announcements. Mm. He does. Um, yes. No, next, next. I guess the next shot, the next thing I want to talk about is the next, next, um, the next episode. But yeah, in, I, I, yeah. The the after the the lighthouse, I think this is the the sort of the death of Mitsuko is is another touch point in this film for me. And I have to admit, the way that we've been watching this, I was a bit surprised it happened tonight. I thought we had a bit more time. <laughs> um. 
and and that just shows you how things are really speeding up when you think you know there's there's for sort of there's a good big section of this film where not very much happens or side characters get killed off but nothing really happens we have really distilled it down now we've got rid of we've got rid of what i thought was going to be one you know when i first saw this one of our main characters still got 25 minutes to go um we've got two gangs of people and one madman on his own now I that's think. basically what the best way we can describe it. i mean we've obviously got quada and uh, shuya and noriko who are uh, are one group, and then we've got the third man and his two followers, and then we've, uh, as you said, we've got we've got our madman who's there just basically trying to round up the last two groups, really. Uh, but both of them have got both our two groups have got their escape plans in 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 place. Uh, basically, Shuya and Quadrant and uh, Nuriko are going to find the boat and they're going to escape the island. Third man is uh, still trying to hack the system and. And take things down, and at the same time, busy doing his bomb making. Yeah, we. Uh, that, that, I mean, that's again. I'm surprised we haven't been back there, because he had he had a plan, and they're collecting all the fertilizer, and and and, the, and he's downloading the anarchist cookbook off the internet, and it's strange that we haven't been back there to see how that's going. Um, but then again, maybe that was only 15 minutes ago in real time. It's hard to say, mate. I've, I've lost track of time in this <laughs> film. <laughs> but yeah, we're, 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 really, we're really getting to that final 20, 25 minutes now. Wow, 25 minutes still to go. Um, yeah. It has to be noted that the fan wiki really outdid itself <laughs> on this chapter. As uh, not only does it celebrate such facts of who's been dating who and who's dying a virgin, but this one also takes great delight in pointing out the fact that uh, Mitsuko in the manga is shown in some panels as having pubic hair and none in others. And yeah. I'm thinking, <laughs> why are we reading this? I, who I really have, cares? I have to say, and I apologise to Emily, yeah, who's guested a couple of times on the show? Who obviously likes who, who came to it first from the manga and seems yeah. to love it. I never want to read the manga. I did You're read never the first couple. I read the first couple um, back in the day because I was yeah. interested because Keith Giffen was doing the um, translation. Um, but it's too extreme for me. <laughs> it's, it's too much, and the fact that it attracts people that. Um, that are noticing Mitsuko's pubic hair lack thereof or yeah. whatever is just, oh, I don't know. I think that's a mucky place I don't want to be. The novel, I have read the novel. The novel's really good. And um, and there's much more Mitsuko in, in the novel as well. Um, but yeah, the manga, I'm sorry, mate. You haven't turned me into a fan. <laughs> it's the completionist side and certainly when we set out to do this project it was that we were going to cover and compare everything mm, didn't want to just sure. like just do the manga or just like do the manga uh, sorry just do the, the film, film and um and you know the book because you know there's podcasts out there that have done page to screen so we want to bring in the manga as well and it's because it is so different and it fills in so many of these backstories because otherwise it's sort of like oh that generic character and they're just no longer here 
whereas it's nice to have some sort of context of who they it, were. It, it is nice that there is this completely separate literature 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 version of the story as well you know it was a novel first and as you say we could have done page to screens and oh look they cut all this out but they kept the guts of the film the same or they got rid of this character or something like that whereas the manga is an adaptation of the book but then turned up to 11 and like I say, I read. I only read the first two chapters. I mean, it's it's got about fifty odd chapters, doesn't it? It's. Uh... Oh yeah, there's a whole, there's a whole, there's many many scenes that are just sort of in there that are nowhere, not in like the book or the uh, film version. Um, certainly, when we get into um, the final sort of showdown uh, with the third band, that's completely different. But we'll get into that um, in our. Either next chapter or the chapter after it's mm. uh, but that's coming up very soon as well, so As is as is the end. We're getting there. <laughs> I know. We're gonna find out who wins. Um but yeah. We're now down to seven students. And uh as we like to say, that's a whole bunch of students whose names we no longer have to butcher. Uh, that's true. We 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 now shouldn't remember them all. We, we, <laughs> you would we, think. You would think. I'm struggling with. I mean, I've been struggling since episode one. The um, fact that we still call the third man the third man. Well, yeah, but that's a lovely little shortcut, isn't it? <laughs> it is. We don't know who his, his little followers are called. I can't remember what his real name is, but we will have to because we're only going to have four names, uh, seven names to remember for a little yep. while. Um. So uh, as well as um. Yeah, let's face it, Katana when you remember because it's his actual name. <laughs> mm. <coughs> um, but yeah, we're we're nearly there, mate. We're nearly there, and um, but quite a few twists and twer- twists and turns, twists and turns to go. Well, that note, it brings us to the end of tonight's episode. Thank you, as always, for listening. If you haven't done already, please do hit the like and subscribe button wherever you happen to be listening to us. And if you haven't done already, you should also check out our main show, The Asian Cinema Film Club, where every episode, I, myself and Steven take turns to pick out a film and discuss. And we cover a wide range of films, from the art house to kung fu, and anime to the truly bizarre. I don't want to fall into that 90s category where we're calling it Japanimation. No. And uh, you can also follow us on Facebook, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter. Come and say hello to us. Our Facebook group in particular, is uh, we have some great chats happening over there. It's a real hub of uh, fun conversations. So, uh, you know, come and say hi to us. Let us know what you think of the show. Share your thoughts on Battle Royale or just Asian Simmer in general. We welcome it all. Uh, but uh, we will be back next time when we get on to Chapter... 19 the fed man but until then good night